0: This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabalcast with your hosts, Woad, Thirsty, and Raptor. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabalcast and YouTube. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast, episode 102, nearly hitting our two-year mark. Uh, this week, it's been kind of a downtime. Obviously, we had an absurd BNR where Standard got nuked except for Ember cleave free shout out pick that card up Uh, so we're going to be discussing some non-standard formats some formats that don't get nuked every one two or three weeks it seems like yep Uh, we're going to be talking about basically what's been going on with pioneer and modern especially you know we obviously have eternal weekend coming on moto so legacy vintage we'll touch on a little bit later but for now we want to focus on kind of what used to be bread and butter for lgs's and as Shifting online and how that's shaping up financially and everything. Yes. So Pioneer and Modern.
1: Yes, sir. Uh so for a while Modern was basically uh cock of the walk. It uh, it was yeah. the most popular format in paper and on Moto, and then we lost paper play and it maintained that lead on Moto until you know, Pioneer came in and, and burned really brightly through a number of bannings into a stall out essentially Boy. once the paper events were officially ditched and mm-hmm. Watzi seems to cast their gaze elsewhere for format maintenance so Pioneer stalls out and Modern continues to climb and we talk about Modern a lot on this cast in that time period and we were looking at some decks yep. that kind of came up in the interim uh, citing Ad Nauseam uh, because of Thassa's Oracle and that kind of Rejuvenated some odds and ends in modern and put some eyes back on that in the in, you know, in the in between as well. We also got Jumpstart, which went straight into historic on Arena and royally screwed some things there with Muxus, although that format has finally been rebalanced. And so we kind of come back around to Pioneer now, having seen a number of bands and unbands from the summer. And it seems like the format is finally being revisited. By players, it does. It didn't really need any more intervention from WotC outside from some work in Q3 this year, but players are coming back because it looks like the format has basically stopped its tailspin of the same, you know, three to five decks. And so, what 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 brought about this topic really was we noticed that on. Uh, MTG decks, where it's a lot easier to kind of sort out events, that pioneer events are firing basically at the same rate that modern events are. If you discount all the unique FM style events that are being held by companies that aren't Hararuya. modern yeah. just shotguns events, but they're all these unique LGS level events. And that's awesome because it makes the format look super popular. And it's great because it keeps people interested. But at the same time, Pioneer doesn't get that much exposure because people aren't holding these events. What we are looking at instead aren't just the leagues, which are constantly firing for Pioneer and Modern, but the number yeah. of people in the challenges, which are capping at 32 for Pioneer and Modern, yeah. and the prelims, which are actually seeing the same amount of players or more compared to Modern yeah, over the last month or so. That's what actually brought us around to this topic, was that, was looking at Watsi sponsored events, how often they were firing, if they were capping, and what the average attendance was. And if you take a look at this for September, you will see the Pioneer's firing basically the same number of Watsi sponsored events
0: with the same or better
1: attendance than modern right now.
0: Yeah. And I think part of this kind of does go back to, like you said, format maintenance and the fact that the lack of format maintenance for these two has gone in opposite directions. Because in one instance of modern, it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's allowed a lot of strategies to go on unchecked. You've got Uro out of control when you don't have the same control cards that you do in, like, Legacy or something yep. that can help with the power level. And it's a lot more of an unfair metagame. And when unfair metagames go unchecked, it actually becomes very unfun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know... Vintage, despite what anybody thinks, is a pretty fair format. So that going unchecked is a different story. And Pioneer is very much a fair format that has gone unchecked. And Mm -hmm. while new sets have come out and new cards have entered, they haven't had the synergies that they have in modern that's allowed the modern metagame to become a little bit more degenerate. Whereas Pioneer, it's still, you know, you've got Lotus Combo, you've got, omnath whatever but by and large it's a fair format yes and i think that it's interesting to see that while standard has been absolutely out of control modern has been absolutely out of control legacy and vintage were abandoned people started kind of flocking to this fair field so to speak yes uh like you know auras and Nivtalite and mono black aggro and you know humans or mono white aggro whatever you want to call it and like yep. you still have decks like gruel mid-range stomping around too that people play and it's you know while everything's been going on it's interesting to me that that's been where people have gravitated towards is towards these fairer strategies that seem to be what wizards is placing an emphasis on
1: yeah absolutely basically what we saw was in back-to-back months uh july and august some format cleanup for Pioneer, Watsi brought back Oath of Nissa. They unbanned that in July, and they let the following cards run roughshod over the format after Oath was unbanned until August. Inverted of Truths, uh, Kethys, The Hidden Hand, Underworld Breach, and Walking Blista. All four of those cards were then banned in August. Of the top seven decks, those cards were in three of the seven. After that, what we saw was the decks on the outside of the seven, the control and the mid range decks actually do come back, and the aggro strategies do change. The premier aggro decks, while Monoblock still maintains its kind of, you know, um, its role as the tops, top shot for uh, aggressive decks, we are seeing, like you mentioned, uh, the Gruul aggro deck that is currently uh, tearing it up. We are seeing black white humans. We are seeing goblins. Or uh, mono red aggro, yeah. however you want to look at that deck, all are now able to flourish. Azor control, <laughs> which was there, can actually be a top ten deck instead of looking uh, at the out from the outside, outside looking in.
0: Outside looking in, yeah,
1: yeah. And they basically just took care of some of the degeneracy in the format that allowed. It pushed the format too far, and the way I phrase this is that when they cut all those cards loose, when they cut Inverter loose and they cut uh, Walking Ballista loose, the rest of the format was able to catch up. But in reality, yeah. the format just kind of slowed down enough so that all those other strategies were become good enough. Inverter wasn't necessarily a combo deck. It has a combo finish, but it is, or was, rather, at its heart, blue-black control with an inevitable end. You just inverted somebody out, or jace somebody yeah. out, or or Oracle somebody out. The deck wasn't dedicated to the combo; it was dedicated to holding control of the game, and then eventually winning with Inverter game one. And in games two and three, you could swap swap over to a Pack Rat plan, and just value somebody yeah. out with Pack Rats. You know that's not a that's not really a combo deck. A dedicated combo deck can't just switch gears like that unless you're changing from like you know belcher to doomsday or something some weird shift yeah. like that and you'd have to dedicate all your slots to do that so this just allowed the rest of the format to just kind of blossom and now we're seeing you know all pillars of the format take root yeah and i think it's super important that watsi finally came back to groom this format instead of just letting it wither and die like we thought it was going to for the majority of the summer
0: we said that multiple times on the cast yep. that it seemed that was the way it was going to. And for whether by design or not, uh, they, they actually have a, the one of the only healthy metagames that's widely played where you have aggro, you have mid range, you have control, you have combo, like you said, gutting those cards to the format allowed the other pillars to catch up. Mm-hmm. And it allowed us to see, you know, not just like a rock, versus metagame, you know, Decade B, e, C beats B, you know, so on and so forth. And it's it's been really nice to see because it has financially been really good for the format because it reminds me of, you know, when you look at the cost of Pioneer decks compared to like Modern or something, it harkens back to original RTR standard where there were so many viable archetypes in the format, it helped suppress prices. Yeah, And some of these cards, sure, they're going to carry a price. You know, Omnath until it's banned across every format in Magic is going to carry a price. Uro until it's banned in every format in Magic is going to carry a price more on that later. And, you know, but aside from that, the format staples are all so ubiquitous Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's such a wide breadth of them that it does suppress prices. Yeah. It's not an instance where you need, well, you're playing Black in the Forum, right? You need Three Lily of the Veil. Uh, you're playing a deck. you need Four Mox Diamond. Like, there's so many different archetypes within you know, aggro, within control mm-hmm. that it does diversify the price of these singles. So, you're seeing an affordable paper format which has more of and it's a non-rotating format. Eh, sure, whatever. Yeah, why not? I'll take it.
1: it allows you to buy into your deck or your theme and stick with those cards for a while, and you're not going to lose out because it's non-rotating and it's very easy or cheap to get into, depending on, on what you're playing. Uh, taking a look at just you know meta share on mtgdecks.net, you know mono black. The average mono black deck costs you know three hundred and twenty dollars. The most expensive deck on the list is five color Niv Mizzet. But if I'm not mistaken, it's because it's running three Uro, Yeah. Like, yeah. And then the land base for okay. that, because it's just all, it's just shocks all the way down, right? That withstanding, the rest of this format is pretty cheap and pretty easy to get to get into. But while nobody's playing it, these prices are further suppressed. And this brings us to why this is important. And it's because if players are revisiting this format and there's renewed interest from the player end that means there's going to be renewed interest on the vendor end as well so instead of just pushing away your pioneer stock or shifting things that should or might see pioneer play to bulk because the format was essentially rotting on the vine renewed interest in this format means a a renewed view from a specular a speculatory standpoint so i'll along with players, you know, if you want to finance on this format, you've got to start paying attention again to this format. All the cards that we looked at previously uh, that were picks, you know, in the past year for this format are all live again. Is the mono red deck yeah. uh, playing the the mono red uh, god from Amonkhet again? No. It's not playing Hazard. Not yet. It absolutely could. You know, yeah. that card is Pretty good with Embercleave. Pretty, pretty good. And that's the thing too, is
0: that not having these paper events does, in some ways, harm innovation in these decks. Mm-hmm. So targeting something like a Hazoret that does go pretty, pretty good, like you said Cleave. with Embercleave, shout out to Larry David, uh, uh, is huge. And we may start to see that because when you get to the pro level and you've got everyone, you know, the day before we're on bridge vine for modern, let's do it. And it hasn't broken out until then. These are the types of things you see. Yes. And, you know, the mono red deck is pretty static and has been for a while uh, as far as the online meta goes. Mm -hmm. Well, once we get paper, we may see Embrickly there. And I think that, you know, these picks being live again, your bone crusher giants, stuff like that, that... We'd mentioned in the past. All of a sudden, you know, you may have dumped him in a box like I did because you were like, "Uh, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll happen is a lot more likely now than it was six months ago."
1: Yeah, Pioneer was the the I think it was no Modern was going to be the premier level format for the Mythic Championships that they that they had to ditch and that became historic. But Star City was supporting pioneer and i think there were going to be some pioneer paper Mm -hmm. events so as long as the the player base is there and supporting this format on moto there still exists the opportunity that these events come back in paper once we get paper magic back so this just you know compiles or not piles just just compounds why you need to go back and start looking at this format again even if it's just to track what you have you know sitting around if you've forgotten about it start looking at it again you know uh, with the bannings and the way things work, who, you know, who knows what you have in your back stock? It might be worth cashing out now as vendors move back in and people, like I said, are, are looking to this format again. There's going to come a, a point in time where somewhere on this planet, people are going to be able to play paper magic fairly reliably, and this could be that format. And you know, thus you begin yeah. to have your finance drivers, and it is very important that you, you know, understand and keep tabs on this, especially because. This is kind of meant to take over a modern spot, so anything that rotates out of standard immediately falls into, you know, the trap of Pioneer. And if this is going to be something you want to to care about, you know, no better time than now to start, you know, renewing your own interest in this format as a collector, as a player, and start taking advantage of the resources out there between MTG decks and MTG meta. Um, I think Goldfish has some stuff going on there too, like. These aggregate sites yeah. are, are where you're going to, to need to go to take a look at this. There's some champions on Twitter. I think Todd Anderson, Ryan Overturner are still playing the format pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. You know, these are you know, people you need to follow. These content creators that are going to basically be driving these events from now on until we get to something like you mentioned Eternal Weekend, where I think they're just going to be running yeah. any any event that anybody wants that isn't one of the premier events, i.e. Legacy and Vintage. They're just going to I think they're just going to fire yeah. via Discord. I think that's the plan. Yeah. Like
0: and I I think that getting ahead of these like we've always said on this cast having your curated network of information is important and especially on something like this because it is as we touched on such unique time in magic where we don't have paper events so that liquidity and that financial viability isn't necessarily there. Yeah. Now, uh we may be getting to that point soon. And if it's any time within the next couple months and this pioneer trend continues, that's going to be a huge opportunity for some of these decks to go from a couple hundred bucks to six or seven hundred just because of the increased exposure and the increased playability of them.
1: Yeah, And, you know,
0: that's the unique thing about the hobby is it's all tied to playability. And right now, unless it's EDH, not super playable, Mm -hmm. but... If you pay attention to the metagames and you see what's shifting, you can get in on something like a Lotus Field deck now, knowing that well, it's incredibly good online, and a out of Lotus Fields is like fifteen bucks. When a year ago it was fifteen dollars for a Lotus Field. Yeah. There's no reason we couldn't get back to fifteen dollars per Lotus Field. Absolutely. If this continues. Absolutely. So.
1: yeah and uh, At that point, Lotus Breach uh, wasn't even the best deck in the format. It was one of the best decks in the format. It had a really rough inverter matchup. It did lose Underworld Breach, but it did pick up uh, that 7-CMC Sorcery from uh, M21.
0: Peer into the Abyss. Yes,
1: Peer into the Abyss, where you basically just draw yep. half your library and lose half your life and combo out from there, and you play Omniscience uh, out yep. of the sideboard as well to just combo out. Like the The deck has been kind of Re-jiggered, but it still has to compete with some incredibly fast uh, aggro decks that will just, you know, clock you on four. That's it. You know? Yeah. And, you know, just to, to tie it all back with Pioneer coming back, you know, this this renews our specs, you know, personally, this renews our specs in the cast. And because it's Pioneer's been down for so long, we wanted to make sure that, you know, everybody who. Follows us who you know through our, our Discord, Twitter, etc. It knows that you know we're going to start looking back to Pioneer now because players are caring, vendors are caring. You should care.
0: Yep. So that's how it works. Yep. So that. picks. I have a great one for Pioneer.
1: Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I've been wondering about this card for a while, and I wanted to say something on Twitter because this this is a card that boggles my mind. And, it just, and bothers me it at the same time, so I'm glad you picked it, so I can just yeah. rumble at you this entire time. So, you can go first.
0: <laughs> the roles are reversed for once. Yeah. Uh, so, my pick this week, as I mentioned before, we'd have more on Uro later. So, Uro, here's the thing. The card didn't really get affected by the ban, financially. It's probably not going to, because it's still incredibly playable in EDH. It's still incredibly playable in Modern. It's still an incredibly playable, good card. Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. The Thing is, the formats that it's best in are not being played right now in paper formats like Pioneer, where this card can be a rock star. Formats like Legacy, where the card is as ubiquitous as Oko, almost at this point. Yeah, it's pretty bad.
1: They go close to hand in hand.
0: And when those events come back and i do think it is a matter of when not if uh, the $30 price tag that this card carries is not going to be sufficient like it's it will be back up to a $50 i would expect back to what it was in standard and it will always have an absurd amount of edh playability so, so while we haven't seen I think we could see it retreat about 4 to $5 mm-hmm. tops. I know it's not great when it's already 30, but I think if you can pick this up in a trade for some stuff that you picked up at, you know, 60 to 70% straight across for an euro, that seems great to me. It's going to be hard to lose on that. I would think yeah. because the card is an absolute house and it is not going anywhere. No, it, it I, it shouldn't be banned in Legacy. It shouldn't be banned in Vintage. It's never going to get banned in EDH, and the card is insane in all of those formats. Yep. Pioneer, I think it's great. Who knows if it's going to get banned or not? At one point, everyone thought it should be in the metagame Adapted. Yep. Hallelujah, thanks for that. Yep. But I think that this card easily <clears throat> has, within the next six months, a $50 price tag. So I think for right now, the chance of you know retail almost doubling over the next... Six months is a pretty good spot to get in at. So if you can get it for, you know, 25 bucks in trade, 30 bucks in trade, great. Pick it up. There's nothing not to. If you pay 20 to 25 cash, I also think that's fine. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit shorter window than some of my other picks because it is, you know, six months. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, the low point was in January this year and or January last year. No, this year. Yeah, this year. Sorry and it hasn't really gone down much. You can take a look at the graph, and since, let's see, September 27th, it was back down to $26 low. It's only gone up since and held steady at about $33. So price point is a little bit higher end, but it's a quick turnaround, I think, and I just think it's a solid pickup overall.
1: Yeah, uh, the reason I, I grumble about this card is because it's done nothing but go up, essentially, since the banning, with no real paper magic being played outside of EDH. And there's, I honestly didn't think that EDH was going to push this card back or back up I, towards 50 alone, let alone float it this entire time.
0: Yeah. I I think the fact that it's floated, it is one of the reasons that I was so ready to pick it yep. because if it's being floated this way because of paper EDH, then when pioneer comes back, when paper events come back, I think it's, almost a sure thing that this will hit the $50 point. And I, I think it's just yeah. a matter of literally Watsy posting, hey, Paper Magic's a thing again, and all of a sudden all this stuff explodes.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely correct. So, And I like the defense of it that way, because like I said, in my mind it just didn't make sense, but because I was just looking at it through the lens of, well, where is this played that I understand currently in paper? And it just came back to EDH. It wasn't thinking back to... Uh, you know, legacy modern and pioneer where it's still legal in these formats and still highly viable across the board there that it's all, it's going to see some float from players that bought it for these older formats it's still going to see demand for edh without the $50 price tag it's not nearly as difficult to you know pull the trigger and pick up an uro now compared to what it was you know months ago so yeah. o- overall it makes a lot more sense
0: Glad I could somewhat make a believer out of you then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I've been sitting on my one Uro forever, and I, I've, I wrestle with the decision to sell it or keep it every day, every day. Yeah. Um, my card, another strictly uh, EDH cornerstone for those who like tribal, and this is Cryptic Gateway out of Ooh. Onslaught. So it's, yeah. it's a it's a pretty unique artifact. Uh, Ons- Onslaught block uh, didn't start out creature heavy, but it had legions. Uh, inside of it, which was the all-creature set. So it makes sense that you're just going to be able to shove creatures through an artifact out of Onslaught Block. Much like uh, it? the Draconic Arch from Invasion. Yeah. So this is a card where if you take a look at the stocks graph far enough back, it had this insane spike that's just completely unsustainable. It spikes up to like $10 all of a sudden the and yeah. then drops back down You know, pretty understandably, and right, it's been on a, a slow f- float up for the last couple of months, ever so slightly, on the uptick. Um, interestingly enough, we started to see a little bit of uh, attribution on TCG numbers, finally, where the number of LP, of better copies, of fi- finally really dwindled under 100 and down to about 92, and the market price is really only been about four dollars fifteen cents for a couple months plus or minus two cents however ck's buy list has done nothing but go up in the last month and it's not gonna sound like a lot but it's gone up by about a dollar and their quantity for buy has not changed it's been like steady again somewhere around 20 plus or minus four so they're they're bringing in and they're moving this card and it doesn't really seem like they have a problem with it the increase of, of buy list price, however, is what intrigues me if most of the stock numbers seem to be staying the same. So that means there's demand, enough demand for it that they have to raise the buy price to bring it in. Okay. Yep. So uh, EDH playability, this is where it gets a little interesting because really when you look at this, it tells an interesting tale. And the tale is there's a lot of slivers up here because Cryptic Gateway is basically... <laughs> Another sliver general. You just stuff all your slivers through Cryptic Gateway and combo out. You don't cast them. You just put them into play. So it triggers a card like Intruder Alarm. that says whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you untap all your other creatures. So at the same time, you're making infinite mana uh, with your mana slivers. Yeah, exactly. And you just two slivers, make another sliver, two slivers, make another sliver, on and on and on. Moreover... Wizards is one of the other next more, uh, most popular tribes, yep. either mono blue or through um, something like Kanji, which is a, a little interesting. Kanji kind of goes both ways. Kanji is sometimes a bird-angel hybrid thing. Sometimes it's just blue yeah. white wizards, whatever, when wizards are represented a, a handful of times. And then this is the interesting one, and this is what, what I thought started to push the number on, uh, on the bylist. There's Morph on the Boundless, now, Morph on the Boundless is actually super innocuous, and this, like this, is really why I picked this card. Morph on the Boundless is actually the front for an Elementals EDH deck, and Elementals just got Omnath. Yep. Which now means renewed interest, and things like Risen Reef. Just look at when a card enters the battlefield. So again, as you're just stuffing things through Cryptic, Cryptic Gateway, you're going to be triggering uh, Risen Reef. Elementals are in blue. That allows you to do things with Intruder Alarm and other various uh, combo cards there. it's Anything that kind of involves base blue is extremely powerful with this card. It also dumps big dumb dragons into play.
0: Which is great. Yes.
1: Karthus is up there. Let's drive the market. Yes. Karthus is up there. That's why. So we're seeing renewed interest in this card because we just get omnath a bunch more elementals over the last year it just kind of like beefs up that tribe and you can also do some shenanigans uh, misform ultimus is on this and there's a shapeshifter deck that just kind of twists its way into everything so that that goes in elementals it's ridiculous rats too cool rats whatever the they're fun they are they are the my expectation for this card was that it was going to take a lot longer for buy numbers to go up without seeing an increase in market price overall. So I rewrote my timeline on this for, uh, I don't know, like five or six times. And at the end of the day, I think Cryptic Gateway right now is going to see a longer lull than most other cards. Uh, after Zendikar, as people are buying back into EDH staples. So now is the right time to get in. And between now and... And the first set of 2021, we have Commander Legends and uh, Jumpstart Backstock coming in, both of which have the ability to add more to these tribes or new tribes in general. Well, we know what's yeah. in Jumpstart, right? Jumpstart is adding stuff to these tribes.
0: Yeah. Well, so, um, we also have RTRTZ, where uh, Team Edward versus Team Jacob. So my timeline ends there. I have more to go. Okay. So between okay, now
1: and... Um, the, the first set of 2021, that Norse Viking set, whatever it is, this is where I expect the Cryptic Gateway, the buy-in time to really be, and we, we we're we not going to see a huge uptick in this card because people will slowly be, be buying in. I think somewhere around Strixhaven, the wizard set, is where if this card yeah. is just is going to skyrocket, that's where it's going to happen because that is going to give the wizard tribe, which is represented here, uh, both, like I said, Mono Blue, Kanji, which is Blue White, um, and Nalia, which is Grixis, all here for Wizards. Right? This is a tribe. Uh, a yeah. like is is on here. These are all popular. So between Legends, Jumpstart, and Strixhaven, if we go, if we get excellent tribal support in Legends and Strixhaven, this is where then Strixhaven is where I expect this card to pop. And even then, this is where I think you're going to be able to get out at a decent amount to buy list if you buy in now. I did think about. Um, okay. Going back to Innistrad for the vampire werewolf set, and um, there is a werewolf theme right now floating around for this, but it is st- it's strictly gruel, and the only yeah. legend you have for that currently is Ulrich, uh from Eldritch Moon, the terrible flip general for this, and people were very upset the first time around. I do expect WotC to you know put their hands up and may a culpa for that in the next one. Yeah. But generally speaking, um, Ulrich costs five. I don't see a werewolf theme requiring something like Cryptic Gateway to really take advantage of synergies. I think it's just going to hard cast its stuff normally, a little bit of ramp. Not to say it wouldn't fit in there. I just don't think it's going to be that big a driver. Similarly with vampires, they generally top out pretty low. We're talking like five ish. Yeah. Usually Baron is, is he five or seven. Either way, they don't make them like they seven. used to anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, we, if we get excellent vampire support, yes, absolutely. I think it comes through, yeah. I think, uh, but somewhere around that D and D set. So after Strix, I am around D D is probably where this card is going to pop. If it will pop. So that is like six months out. I think. Yeah. That's like Aprilish. Yeah. That is where I really expect this card to, to kind of flourish. But now is the window to buy-in. Now yeah. now is when you should be looking towards this. The only thing that could change this and push up this timeline is if any of the sliver generals that aren't queen are reprinted in Commander mm-hmm. Legends, there's a chance that brings renewed interest to the tribe. The best general yeah. for that deck, fight me, you'll lose is overlord and that card is not that pricey it's about 17 for the set normally it's been reprinted a few times if they reprint high uh not hive lord um sliver coat of arms do you remember the name yeah
0: uh legion
1: yeah if they reprint sliver legion the one like the second most expensive sliver in the deck that can push people back into the sliver tribe and that will pop this card like i can almost guarantee you that'll pop this card so keep your eyes out for that Look at Cryptic Gateway. I think this is a card that is right, right now $4. It If it hits $10 in six months, I think that's sustainable. If it hits a prior to that because we get great slivers in Legends, I think $10 is also sustainable. I don't think we're going to see a reprint on this card because it's a weird effect where you just stuff things through a gate. Yeah, They don't make them like this anymore. So it's not going to get the Slate of Ancestry treatment and get a standard reprint. Oh god. And it
0: I forgot about that. Ah.
1: It looks terrible with the ninth-ed border or whatever it is. It's absolutely, it's atrocious. But it's so bad. Cryptic Gateway is a a sleeper card for now. I do expect it to pop, and with the great tribal opportunities we have coming up, this is where I expect it to just go and never come back six months. So yeah, that's it for me on picks. I think it's
0: a solid one. Uh, I also think your timeline's really good and reprint risk wise you're pretty much looking at commander legends i could maybe see it thematically in return to return to zendikar but that doesn't really make sense to me cuz like you said this isn't the type of effect they like for standard no it's just not so exactly
1: yeah they don't yeah. want they got rid of elvish piper that's no longer a standard card that's too good i think yeah
0: exactly and if if that's the case then well all right, they're not doing something like this. There's just no way. Yes,
1: exactly. So, yep. Yeah. So it's like ancestry. If you don't play yeah. it and you play a tribal deck that isn't like something weird and you don't need it in L's like look into this card. Yeah, it's a beaut. It's a gem. I love great. it, but I think that's going to be it for us this week. Everybody, we will catch you next week with something to talk about. that isn't pioneer. Probably EDH. Cause why
0: not? Yeah. That's the way it goes now.
1: But for MTG Cabalcast, I am at Halt, I am Reptar on Twitter, and you are?
0: At Thirsty Sizzler.
1: We'll see you guys next week. See ya.